What's up, Coach? How are you, bud? What's going on, Eric? I've I've missed you, man. I've missed you. Know, you. Let me clean this. Let me clean this a little bit here. There you, go. <laughs> you, you look good, man. You look good. It's it's the camera. It's not me. <laughs> That's why I keep cleaning it. No, there you go. Maybe I, maybe I should do that. If I do that, will I look handsome too? Uh, I think you will, but you don't need to because you look perfectly clear to me. Uh, good deal, man. Good deal. Yeah. Cool. So, All right, well, let's get uh, let's get rocking here, buddy. How have, have you been? You've been good, man. It's good to see you. I um just been seeing pictures of you out on the roads and on the beach and on the trails and like all of these all these amazing amazingly taken photos and I'm like and everybody asks me who my photographer is and I have to tell them it's really it's just a timer on my iPhone and a tree branch or a fire hydrant or whatever I got, I got you you're, you're taking some some epic photos and it, it it looks like there's more than just one person involved like there's somewhere you are off in the distance and it's like you're on the beach and the camera's like 100 feet away it's like he's got to have some cameraman following him no 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 cameraman just a just a well-placed tree branch nice and then you're i gotta getting- run back it's kind of a hat. Like if you were to watch me do this setup, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it looks it looks ridiculous. You know, I'm setting up a phone on a branch. It's falling over. I'm trying to get it back up. Then I run like a hundred meters, and I gotta turn around, and go back, get my phone. It's ridiculous. So there, there are takes. There are many takes of this. There. Like, oh yeah. Totally. Okay. There's you takes. should. There's, I've had a, a bunch where the phone just falls out of the tree, and then I gotta go back and set it up. It's a whole thing, man. It's a whole so, thing. Can we get can we get Christine to to record the bloopers? Like just, <laughs> that would be good. And so we can see like the behind the scenes. Maybe next time. Next time we go out for a little family runtime, we'll uh, we'll get a nice. blooper blooper reel going. Nice. Um, all right, coach. I got questions for you, my friend. Yeah. Um, so we've known each other for a while now. Uh, we work together at the store. Um, the yep. reason we hired you was because you have, um, you've had such a cool, you had such a cool running story. Um, so, and you have a lot of experience coaching many different levels of athletes. So why don't you just tell us your origin story, kind of where you came from, why you got into this running thing and why coaching became your, your calling. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, um, that's a great question. That's a great place to start. Um, I, so my, my, um, a little bit of background on me, I was born, many of you might already know this, but I was born, Hey Mary, I was born in, um, in Kenya. Um, and so I I was born in Kenya and I lived in Kenya throughout my childhood I moved here when I was 13. So the majority of my like elementary school years were, were in Kenya. Um, but I do, we did spend a brief stint in Minnesota. So when I was eight, my dad moved us to Minnesota for a couple of years. Uh, and we lived there while he was teaching at the university uh, of, of uh, Minnesota. Can, was, can I, can I jump in? Yeah. Kenya. Yeah. To Minnesota. 
very, yeah. very different in many, many aspects. How, yeah. did, how did you handle going from Kenya to Minnesota, like culture-wise, climate-wise, the whole nine? Must have been crazy. Uh, it was a big leap for sure. And uh, I remember being a kid and just sort of accepting it. Um, but it was a big jump because um, the climate is very different. Um, the climate is very different. And uh, so we moved We moved to Minnesota in January. And so in January, it's summer in Kenya and it's winter in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> And it's all. It was also the first time I'd ever seen winter because we don't really have seasons back home. Oh, and yeah. so it was. It was a big, uh, um, a big transition for me. Um, I think it helped that I was uh, sort of a, a young, naive little boy mm-hmm. coming over here, and it was also America. And you know, we sort of idolized America, and so we we didn't really care what the weather was like, or what the food was like, or what you know. We just had these images of. Michael Jordan, right? Um, you know, just like the American, the American ideal. So, mm-hmm. so we we moved to Minnesota, and it had just snowed like like a like a six inches, you know, um, right. overnight. Got there, and immediately we had to like drive through the snow. Um, we went to live with a friend of my dad's, and he, they had just plowed their driveway, but the snow was still on the banks, and it was still on the garage door. And I remember grabbing an icicle. Um, of the garage and like because this thing was like just coming down in a like a little sharp little thing and I I, I grabbed and I immediately dropped it and I said what is that and they all started laughing they said it's called ice <laughs> so <laughs> um, Jeez Louise that must have been brutal man yeah now, like was that the that must have been the first time you saw snow ever. yeah first time first yeah. time ever so I was eight. I just turned eight. I turned eight on my. I had the birth my birthday on the airplane ride over to Minneapolis to, oh. to Minnesota, and so they they sang happy birthday for me. And so yeah, so at, right after my eighth birthday is when I was introduced to wow. to the brother. Um. So yeah, it was big. And then uh, two years after that, uh, so that was just like a short little um, stay in Min- in Minneapolis. We uh, Minnesota. We moved back to Kenya when I was 10 and we lived in Kenya until I was 13. And so we went again from like Minnesota cold to <laughs> yeah. warm. Jeez. And it was another transition because I was just starting to get, to get used to the seasons. Um, right. we, we moved in September. So it was just getting cold here. I guess we avoided that winter, but we moved um, right before Kenyan summer. So we're right on the equator. Um, so right. another big transition. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been it, the, nuts, man. And But then yeah. you came back, obviously. Yeah, I don't it's know hard. how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, experiencing snow for the first time, I, I don't know how I even came back. But again, you know, we're just like kids who were, who were naive and, and didn't really complain about much. You know, we sort of just went with the flow. Just, and, yeah. Well, just, oh, we're going back to America. Fine, we'll go back to America. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want me to do. Yeah, whatever you want us to do. But uh, that was an easier transition because um, by then I was a little bit older. Um, I had experienced America for the first time, 
Um, I was actually more excited because I start, started to adopt some of the American culture, especially sports culture. So I was following a lot of athletes, uh, basketball and um, basketball and football athletes, mm-hmm. mainly basketball, because that's what we had expose, exposure to. Um, we knew the names. You know, we knew Michael Jordan. We knew Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so moving back here and getting a chance to be in their in their country and watch them was was pretty exciting. So so the second time around, I was actually um, it happened kind of at the last minute. We, we didn't really, it wasn't a planned trip, but but we were excited to go. And um, I remember my 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 schoolmates were super jealous because they were just getting ready for their what what would be like their SATs. Um, um, and so right before that happened, I just took off. You're and like, yeah, forget the tests. I'm out of here. So like, for, I think for the remainder of that year, uh, they kept writing me and saying, you know, you got lucky there. <laughs> right. You didn't have to take this like massive exam, which, which basically determines where you go to high school. Um, so that's, that's, uh, we, we, in order for us to go to high school, we'd have to take a, an entrance exam. And yep. uh, and then like the scores would determine how how good the school was that you went to. Interesting. You didn't really get to choose. Uh, they for you. Like a placement test kind of deal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Now, when yeah. you came back that second time, is that when you kind of started the running game? Like, was it immediate? Yeah. Did you no, like join the cross country team or? Yeah, that's exactly when it happened, Eric. I came. I was doing a little bit of uh, track and field back home um, as a kid, but my main sport was soccer. Like that's what that's what we all played. And so any chance I got, I would be on the soccer pitch. We called it football. Be on the yeah. football pitch, and I played. I played that any chance I got. I'd sometimes like after school, I'd go play, and then I'd get home late, get in trouble. But like I just loved it that much. Um, and then so when I moved here, but but I did I did some track and field. But it was mainly like, let's get these kids out on the track and just see what, what they enjoy. So I, I think I ran a little bit. I jumped a little bit. The mm-hmm. track was super nice, the, the surface. So we weren't doing anything anything like serious. Right. As we were just kind of running around and getting used to it. But when I, when, I came to, when I came to high school, when I moved here and then joined the high school, uh, local high school, I was um, immediately approached about joining the track and field team. And they're like, you're from Kenya. <laughs> was mm. that like a, one of those deals where it was like, there, we got this new Kenyan kid, we got to get him on the track team? Yeah, the coaches were aware. And um, so, so they sort of like gave me subtle, you know, little subtle little hints that Nudges. You know, when the spring comes, and, and maybe even now, instead of playing soccer, you, um, but I love the sport too much. So I played soccer throughout high school, high school years. Mm-hmm. Uh, forward and a, a mid, midfielder and a forward and a striker. Yeah. And um, in the winter, I love basketball, Eric. Oh, like, I love, yeah, I mean, you're love, a Michael Jordan fan. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I just loved everything about his, his game. I just liked how, how creative he was and how intense. I think it was the intensity oh, that yeah. I really... Did you watch that documentary? You must. I did. Yeah, I, did. See, I haven't seen it, so don't, don't spoil it for me. But I know I he is like the ultimate competitor yeah and i i still see myself like that um just yeah. just like a toned down version obviously but <laughs> I, I i loved his the way he played and so when i as soon as i could dribble a ball 
first time I played basketball was was here. As soon as I figured out where to go and how to dribble, I, I started pretending I was him, and and I just I loved I loved I loved it. And, uh, and so basketball was 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 a, a really um, I was really excited about it. And so I went out for the basketball team, but I was also four foot five or four oh, foot eight. Yeah, that doesn't, no. doesn't translate all that well to the court, you know. I learned, I know that from experience, Coach. Do you really? I do. I used to try to play basketball, too. There was a certain age I got to where it was just, it it didn't work out, you know. It didn't, it didn't quite work out with, because uh, they didn't do it based on height. <laughs> right. It wasn't like you're playing against other four foot, four foot five See, boys. If, now, if that were the case, both of us. So, yes, yeah. we'd be we'd be we'd be professionals by now. Right. Obviously. So, um, so uh, I didn't make the team, and then, so then I I found myself like looking into uh, the wrestling program because um, some of my friends were also going to try out, and so I I tried out. Didn't wasn't really a tryout. It was more like, okay, you're on the team. <laughs> right. Ended up wrestling for basically my high school c- career. And um, pretty well. I did pretty well there. Uh, I was a st- senior year. I was a state runner-up in oh, in Rhode Island. And um, and then in the spring, um, I joined the track team, and that's where my love for, for running began. Was that that freshman year spring track? Mm-hmm. And you know, so the coaches got their wish. The Kenyan, <laughs> right. Kenyan boy joined the team. Jesus. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> And um, they put me in uh, a bunch of different events. I ended up focusing all my efforts on the half mile, but I did do like the 15. I did this. I, th- I believe I ran the 3K and um, they tried me in, in some jumping events too, because um, I'm just an athlete, a pretty good athlete. So they right. figured I could do some field events, but I ended up focusing on the half mile. Um, that was That's cool. like my, my real, um, I found my calling there. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that sport more than any other sport in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, Jay, Jay Runner here has a quick question. Where do you do most of your training now? Where are you at? Uh, Jay Runner. I know that guy. Uh, yeah, you do. So should we, um, do you want me to continue on my yeah, on my? keep going. We'll, uh, I'll keep that question later. Okay. So, Jay, we'll get to you in a minute. Um, so then, um, you know, senior year high school, I was um, I was doing pretty well in track and field too. I was um, top two there in the state. Um, I was top two in wrestling in the state, and so I had to make a decision um, about what to do in college. And um, I ended up communicate, you know, contacting coaches all over for about both sports, and uh, got most most of my responses came from the wrestling coaches. And so that had a lot to do with what I did in college when I mm-hmm. when I got to Brown. I was in touch with both, but I'd already heard from the wrestling coach and he seemed pretty excited. He knew my high school coach. There, there was like a little coaching circle yeah. that he was a part of. And um, and so before I could do any sort of track and field or cross-country training, I found myself um, on the wrestling team. Uh, and it was pretty pretty intense. It was a D1 program. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there but it was a d1 program and um so we competed against like all the d1 good great d1 teams like yeah, michigan intense yeah 
<clears throat> so I so I did that, but I, you know there was a lot of running in soccer, and there's a lot of running in wrestling, and so I, I've always been running. Right. I've always been running, and I never really got too far away from it, even when I wasn't on a team in college. Yeah. I noticed too, like a lot of my friends who played soccer will make that transition to running at some point. You know, yes. whether it's like when they graduate from high school and they don't want to play in college, they'll just start running or kind of like what happened to you. A track coach will see this really good soccer player on the pitch and then right. try to convince him to run track or her to run track. So it right. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was an easy, easy thing um, for me to keep doing. And, and, I, and it helped. It helped my other sports. Um, it wasn't it wasn't punishment for me like some of the athletes I work with who say oh I I didn't run because it was just like punishment. Right. I ran because it got me in better shape for my other sports, mm -hmm. um, especially wrestling with all the conditioning. Oh yeah. And so after college, um, you know, I wasn't like on a trajectory to run semi pro or professionally or anything like that because I hadn't really done it. Um, um, at the collegiate level. So I just kind of continued on on my own. I didn't really have a coach. I just, I knew I wanted to set some goals and run a half and run some 5Ks and run a half. Right. But I wasn't super serious. Um, I was just getting going as a young professional. Like my focus was on my, my, my career. But I kept running. I ran the uh, Cox Half Marathon. I believe it was like the first or second one that they did in um i ran i ran a bunch of 5ks and then i moved out to new york to start working mm -hmm. so um before i moved out there i'd already done some, some road races cool here. now at that at that point were you using running more as just like a stress relief meditation type thing or were you like i want to hit this time setting goals and like really getting after it no no running running for me at that point was just for health was just to maintain my health yeah. and to I, I didn't I didn't have any any time goals I just I wanted to say I had done a half and I I wanted to say I'd done I'd done some 5ks and I'd, I'd you know tried the 10k distance to see what that felt like so it was mainly just running to to maintain my fitness yeah and for health reasons um cool and now yes. I I know, like, from just knowing you, that in New York, I think the running coaching thing really kind of came together for you. Yeah. Yeah, so, you could you, yeah. you could write my autobiography, Eric. You owe me that. I might, man. I might. Yeah. <laughs> With your permission. Uh, you don't need permission. You, you, uh, yeah, so um, New York City, um, I was – I was there for about six years and um, the first couple of years I wasn't, I don't believe I was running much. No, mm -hmm. I was just getting, being, having this crazy work schedule yeah. and just, just trying to survive. And, um, and then I can, by my fourth year, uh, I worked at the New York Fed, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York. By my fourth year, I was starting to feel like I missed the sport, you know, it was, a, it was already a part of me at that point, and I, I, was, I was doing it. At that point, I wasn't even racing. I was just running like once or twice a week whenever I could. I, I, I was probably like a weekend warrior, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I missed competing. I missed competing. 
And yeah. so I started, I met a few people who knew about the New York road racing scene, the New York road runner scene. And mm-hmm. they had told me like they, they were putting on like a 5k and it was actually a corporate challenge. So it was more like a 3.8 or something, some weird distance. Yeah. Uh, and because our, our company was going to be in that corporate challenge, I decided, okay, this might be a good chance for me to get back into some, some racing. Yeah. So, so I joined the team, the fed feds team. Um, it was awful. It was like the first time running in central park. I'd never run in central park. Like the, hill, the hills ate me up. Um, I remember thinking that was only four miles. <laughs> uh, but then I, I kept going and I, I found myself just wanting to run more. Yeah. And it just came back to me, you know? Right. Yeah. Now, and then I did, I did a bunch of New York Roadrunner races mm-hmm. and um I, and then I, I did enough to, to guarantee myself into the New York City Marathon. Um, part, of the, part of those road races were they were like half there were half marathons in there, so I, I was able to progress up in distance. Mm-hmm. And I qualified for New York. You had to run like nine races and then volunteer, and you would, you'd be guaranteed into the marathon. So I did that. Um, and then, um, and then the marathon, that was the marathon that was canceled because of Hurricane Sandy. Oh, yeah, that figures. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was canceled, and so I, I never did it, and I never did New York, New York City. And, um, but I kept running the shorter races. I went back and I did some of the shorter stuff, and I was getting faster, and so I just liked where I was. I didn't really, wasn't concerned about the marathon so much. Right. Uh, but then a, a year later, um, that's when I joined um, Nike Running, mm-hmm. and through Nike Running, I discovered that I discovered USATF. So, yeah. like, it just just goes to show, like, throughout high school and college, I didn't really know much about USATF. You know, I didn't know they had a coaching program. I didn't know you could you could be a coach. Um, but through but, Nike, because it was all around me at that point, I was working for Nike Running. Running was everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I I learned about the USATF thing, and I had a coach at that time, and I saw what he was doing with me, and I thought I can do this, like <laughs> yeah. like why not, right? Right. And so I went and got my USATF certification while I was still with Nike Running, mm-hmm. and uh, and then started taking on some some local track and field athletes. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, just a silly question. Yeah. Do, do you prefer telling people what to do or being told what to do? Like, are you more of a kind of like super coachable athlete or you, would you prefer to be telling that super co- coachable athlete what to do? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, as having a coach who was looking, you know, was looking after your you and your health, and was looking was was thoughtfully putting together your training plan, and was sort of mindful of 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 what you needed to do. It took took some of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. It took it took some of like the 
the so you know the, the the work off of your shoulders and so i appreciated having someone to just tell me what i should be doing right i appreciate i i that's a an, an important distinction i appreciated it <laughs> yeah well it looks like one of your athletes maybe answered the question for you uh but but i didn't i can't say i liked it <laughs> right i hear you so I think if I was to answer that question completely honestly, I would say I prefer to tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. See, I'm, kind uh, of, I, I, I'm the opposite, man. I'm like, I just want to be told what to do. Really? Like, yeah, like I, I have like, I've run my whole life, but I really have, now that I'm out of college and high school, I have a tough time getting motivated. So I need somebody to tell me what to do. You know, I can to do it. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You love doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I know I'm coachable and I know I can follow, I can follow directions. Uh, I know that cause I had to coach for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but, but you know, I really would rather be on the telling side telling, telling you to do. It's not, it's not even like a, like a power trip or anything. I just, I just feel like I, I know what I, want people to do and I, I just want them to do it <laughs> right now, now how do you feel when they yeah. don't do that i don't feel good at all <laughs> no. oh goodness so um with in that in that kind of same vein do you prefer coaching like a one-on-one situation or would you rather have like a group i know you coach in multiple like you'll coach a high school team but you'll also have athletes that you coach do you prefer one or are they both like kind of cool in their own respects? What do you think? Yeah, well, the high school high school kid, the high school age is an interesting one because they're so new. A lot of them are so new to the sport. Yeah. And so they're they're just like raw and they can be molded. You can you can mold them into into sort of like representations of your coaching philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can direct them. Um so, so it's an interesting group to work with. Um, I've worked with the high school uh, age on the cross country level and also on the track and field level, yep. and I just find that they they are very moldable and very impressionable. So, if they they if they're with the right coach, they can do really well. Yeah. The um, the thing I enjoy the most is working on an individual level with people. So. Being able to work one on one, even with a larger group, being able to sort of single people out and have some impact on their development, yeah, have have something to to uh, have an impact on on their outcomes. So if 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 a group allows me to do that, if a larger group allows me to do that, then I have a lot of fun. If it's a group where you don't have that personal connection with with individuals uh, on an individual level, I don't enjoy it as much. Which is why I I really like the the personal coaching that I do mm-hmm. because it gives me an opportunity to work on one-on-one with people. So, yeah. so I would say I don't, I don't really have a preference as long as I'm able to, to have that one-on-one connection. Right. Gotcha. But in yeah. this past winter, I was able to do that at Bayview because they had a pretty small indoor track track team. There were uh, six, there were five girls on the distance team and I was the distance coach. And so that was almost like working one-on-one with all of them. Right. Yeah, and I think they did really well because of that. I, I find like I don't 
I don't enjoy just putting putting together a plan, one general plan, and not not being able to tweak it to yeah yeah to accommodate different different athletes because everyone has everyone needs something different. Yeah, and they'll need yeah. something different throughout the training plan that you write. Exactly throughout yeah. the training plan, they're all also at different levels of experience. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to address that. So that's what I enjoy the most. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I um, have taken over coaching that beginning runner group that you and I set up a couple of years back. That was like one of my favorite things yeah. on the planet. Um, yeah. Those, yeah. Those runners are like to me like one of the most inspiring groups um, because yep. they're they're committed to doing this this really really hard thing um running their first 5k so knowing that it's really hard um how do you well and i guess considering the current situation it's like even harder um how do you keep your athletes motivated you must be like in a situation where you're coaching people but there's no races to train for there's no groups to run with how are right. you how do you keep them engaged and like interested in running yeah i mean f- first of all I'm, I'm really happy to see that that program is still doing well uh it was the year i spent with you guys was one of the best years of coaching years of my life uh i really enjoyed that 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 program i enjoyed like the roadrunner programs that we put together i still remember like uh the meeting we had on weekend End street Eric, where we mm-hmm. sat in that shop and wrote, wrote the plan for the run club. Right. So I'm glad to see that. Um, I'm glad to see that engagement. It's, yeah. uh, it's hard to do something like that on your own. So you really need to have some sort of support system. Yeah. And for them, the program is their support system. Um, for my athletes, the team is a support system. Yeah. And so that's absolutely essential, especially in times like this. Right. And being staying motivated because one, I don't believe one coach alone can do it. And I don't believe like one friend can do it. I don't believe one person can do it. You need to have, a, be able to set around you a support system that can encourage you. Mm-hmm. I also have found this season that we've been able to take our time with things. And right. so... So, so part of the motivation has been knowing that that the athletes are going to be better prepared when things finally do come back online because they have all this time to work on little things. Yeah, and so that I've been motivating motivating them to think that way. Like let's let's really drill down on what you can work on right now mm-hmm. because it's not, you have a race and you know Eric, you know when when you pick a race date, that race date's not going to change, right? That is, yeah. you got to be your rock on that day. Whether you're doing well in your training and or not, it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you may have to make adjustments or, you know, think, do make decisions you don't want to do. But when there's nothing online, you can take your time. And so mm-hmm. I found that that's been a motivating thing. Um, we've also been able to, when things started to get shut down, I had to make a decision like pretty quickly about about how how else to keep them motivated, and um, mm-hmm. I had to really think hard about that. And so, what we decided was we were going to create as close to season as possible. 
Um, and that part of that was creating the, the race series. So yeah. we create our own race series so that we can keep motivate, keep the motivation going. Right. Yeah. Um, that, and, thing, that thing has been fun, man. I'll tell you what, yeah. I, uh, I'll put fun in air quotes cause I, uh, <laughs> did the virtual 5k and, yeah. uh, it was rough for me. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. It was rough, but I'm glad yeah. I had the thing to do though, you know? So like, it was yeah. cool to have that opportunity. You set like a date or a weekend rather, you pick a day to do it and you got to do it. Right. Yeah. And, and I got, I got to tell you, Eric, I love this idea of being able to pick a day within a range of days. Yeah. I feel like if there's a way that actual race director, you know, actual races, physical races and race directors could figure out how to give that option to people. I know, I know logistically it's tough because, because, you know, permits and like uh, having people on the course, having people mark race marshals and, and um, people doing detail. I know it's tough to schedule like a weekend of racing, but if there's a way that we could pick a day based on the weather and we'd get even better times and people would have even more trouble. You know, what so, I like to do is you can pick where you can run that straight three miles down a hill, man, if you yeah. want to. Yeah, exactly. I should, I should have done that. In hindsight, I should have done that. But and then have like had Christine pick you up at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so knowing that this like running thing is really hard and difficult to do, um, yeah. what are some of the things that we can do as runners to make it easier? Um, I think about like all the little things that I should be doing that I, um, you know, maybe haven't been. Um, mm -hmm. I think of now as being a time where I can actually implement those things. There's more time, like you were saying, to train. There's not really um, a set date that you have to do your race. So you've got a long time horizon. So what are some of the little things that we can incorporate to make our running easier? Well, a good one is to just start a schedule for yourself and just, just make a weekly schedule and make sure that you're doing the same things on the same days. So if it's like a three-miler, <clears throat> which, I, which I know you're pretty familiar with those 5Ks, like daily 5Ks, put that on the schedule. So even if you don't have a coach, you have something to hold you accountable. And then put that on, or put that on your fridge. Or put that on your wall, right, so you can look yeah. at it. Uh, Another thing is to try to add um, some variety to it to keep it to keep it fun, right? Because the because it'll give you something different to look forward to each day. So you did your five k yesterday. Well, maybe today's a uh, strength day, or maybe today's like plyometrics, or maybe you're doing yoga today, right? Right. And then you know, but you're 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 next to your next your you've reached your next race uh, uh, running day. Um, without even knowing that the time has passed. And so it's good to have a calendar. It's good to have a structure for yourself. Um, when you don't have it, I, I find that people give themselves reasons not to do things, right? Like excuses not to do things. Like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. What's the difference? There's no race happening. Yeah, like, I know all about that, coach. No I don't need to do it today. I can just do it tomorrow. No one's checking, right? But if you have if you have it written down. And then the other thing might, that might be good is to just tell someone like, Hey, this week I want to run X number of miles or this 
I want to make sure I get uh, a five miler in there somewhere. Yeah. And because you've kind of spoken it, then it'd be, you're more likely to you follow. You, you, know what you know what happened to me the other day? This dude, Matt, I don't know if he's still watching. Thank you, mm -hmm. Matt. But uh, he sends me a message. He's like, you know what, Eric? Saturday seems like a real good day for a half marathon. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but then all of a sudden I wanted to do, I was like, I'm doing it. Let's go. You know? Yeah. 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 He yeah. like held me, got me motivated, got me pumped up and ready to rock. And all he had to say was, I think we should do it. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. Sometimes it just takes a little spark. You know, yeah. someone just left fire under your, under your butt. And then you, so, uh, so the talking to people about, about it or sharing what, what you want to do or, Maybe just like being open to what other people are doing, um, that can get you going. But it's really important to have a structure. And then the other thing is to to understand that you're not you're not going to everything every all the work you're putting in right now is going to matter. Like even if you don't have a race to validate the fitness that you're developing, it's going to matter at some point. Yeah, yeah. You don't want of those people that's not doing something because there are people who are doing something and when we get back to racing we'll find out who's been doing it and who hasn't yes yes what do they say the bigger the base the taller the pyramid is that the yeah slogan yeah. or the saying um with that in mind what's your philosophy on base like building that base what's your like mileage philosophy are you one of these coaches who piles on the mileage early um for me i was like super grateful in high school and college to have coaches who were more like quantity or quality over quantity so okay. i found myself not like burnt out after okay. um i got out of high school so i could continue running in college and yeah. then even after college it wasn't like i was running 120 miles a week or 130 okay. miles a week i can still like progress and get better. Um, right. so what's, what's your philosophy on that, that whole thing? I, I tend to want to, I tend to lean towards quality myself too, Eric. I tend to lean towards quality um, because I, because this is sort of a, a, a lifetime commitment, right? right? And so we're not in a rush to get anywhere. We want to continue to run for as long as we can, you know, like part of the slogan, for my my business is uh run better run smarter run for life right i like um, that start to accumulate the mileage early then it may not be possible to to sustain that but but if you if you focus on the quality then you can continue to add on and you continue to to have that sense of uh accomplishment and um satisfaction knowing that you're still improving Mm -hmm. You know, the guys who are like mileage monsters in college and can't go back to running 110, 120 miles a week. And for them, it's like, I'll never get there again. It's so. Yeah, peaked. You know, they're done. Yeah. So they're done. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that can that can derail everything if, mm -hmm. if you don't have confidence or the belief that you can do it. So I tend to be a, a quality first, but I do focus on time. Like I'm one of those t coaches that really focuses on time on your feet. 
Okay. So time versus like miles. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Why is be that? Because your body only knows how much time you've been running. That's your body care how many miles you've run. Uh, we, I think that's like a construct that we came up with mileage, um, yeah. just to sort of compare ourselves to other people. Uh, yes. No one says, "Oh, I did three hundred minutes today." How many minutes did you do? <laughs> right? I did three fifty. That would sound so much cooler, though. That would sound. Why don't we do that, Eric? Why don't we talk about the amount of time that we spent on our feet? I and I ran thirty-two minutes today. It was great. Yeah, exactly. Your body knows time. And so if you go out and run for 30 minutes and you run uh, at a uh, seven-minute pace, that's a little over four, uh, four miles. Mm -hmm. And then you go back again tomorrow and you run 30 minutes and you run eight-minute pace. Yeah. Or let's say nine-minute pace. That's like three, three, just over three miles. Right. But you, you ran 30 minutes. Like, yeah. You know? So, so someone might look at the four miles and say, oh, you're doing it. That person did more training than the other person because they ran more miles, but that's not necessarily the case. They it's ran a different training, I think, with a different kind of training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I focus on time, and so for a lot of the folks on the team, they understand. They, they are very used to that right now. Mm -hmm. Running for time, and 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 then for the higher mileage folks, the time usually translates to pretty high mileage. I mean. I'm able to get one of my athletes to run 80, 82 miles a week, just planning runs on time because I sort of understand his pace. I understand his, the tendency that he has tendencies for different, different runs. Like if I say an easy run, I know what pace that's going to be. If I say recovery run, I know what pace that. So I plan out them. I, I estimate the mileage mm -hmm. so that he can get to a specific mileage per week, yeah. uh, but it, based on time. Cool. That's a good way to do it. I think I should probably start doing that, man. I get a little too caught up in the, like, how fast, like, even my, like, stupid, like, three-mile run in the morning, yeah. I'm, like, running, like, six, ten pace for no reason, <laughs> other than just to be done quicker, I think. But, like, if I just said I'm going to run for 20 minutes, it doesn't matter how fast I run. You'll, and you'll notice you won't be, you won't be running as fast. Yeah, and you'll I feel better. <laughs> you'll enjoy it more. I might enjoy it. How about yeah. that? You know? How about that? Yeah, actually enjoying <laughs> this. That'd be a good idea. It's all about <laughs> enjoying it. Uh, so real quick, um, going back to like that virtual the virtual race series you set up. Um, yep. Well, I guess I can ask you. We did like a 5K. We did a 10K. Yep. I, I assume, I think I saw there's a half marathon coming up. Yeah, there is one coming up. In uh, it's going to be at the end of the month, so about two and a half weeks from now, we'll have another three-day segment where people can choose one of the three days to run a half marathon. And we're also we realize that there are other events happening around the same time, mm -hmm. and so we're going to give people the opportunity to combine races, so they can do like the Bristol half and combine that with our half. That's and cool. Do one half instead of two. Cool. We're not gonna, yeah, that's a good idea. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so we, we are doing that, and, and, uh, and on that same weekend, we're also going to announce uh, a scholarship fund, Eric. Wow, that's awesome. 
Yeah, so we're going to give people an opportunity to donate if they want. They don't have to, but when they sign up for our half, they can donate towards um, scholarship fund for a high school senior. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool, so, man. I'm going yeah. to have to donate. You put me <laughs> on the spot here. I did. <laughs> no, that's cool. So, um, so for folks doing, say, their first virtual race whether it's a 5k or a 10k or a half do you have any tips to keep them like i guess mentally strong throughout that whole thing um because i found myself you know running by yourself trying to push yourself grind it out can be really really difficult mentally you might be physically ready to go but you get done with mile one and mile two is coming on you and you're like i got another I got another mile after this. I'm I'm feeling pretty crummy. So how do I keep myself like going for the rest of the race? Uh, it's um, I guess that's we're all getting mentally tougher right now, aren't we? We are, man. Yeah, we're all being having to to do that. Everyone's learning how to get mentally tough on their his or her own. But it's um, you know, it's a good question, Eric, because everyone deals with it differently. I like for the five k. You know, I noticed I noticed that a lot of people are going to. I, I realized people are going to be doing on their on their own, mm-hmm. and so I decided um, to to give them a little tip. And I said, "Look, you know, five k is really the running doesn't start until mile two. You, you know this really well, right? Mm-hmm. Like the mile, it doesn't matter. Um, and if you think it matters, you're probably not doing it right." Right. <laughs> So like the racing starts at mile two, so it's really just like a two mile race, right? It's a two mile. Hey, that could with, be a two mile race. The two hundred kick. If it's a ten k, you know, then you you want to uh, approach it a little more conservatively, and so instead of going out hard, you you want to sort of work into it, and that avoids you know you you keep yourself from burning out too soon and then wanting to quit because mm-hmm. no one cheering you on there's no one following you in a car there's no one you know like you're out there by yourself and so it's best to just approach approach it gradually mm-hmm. and make sure that you finish strong for these for all these virtual races that that would be my recommendation is approach it gradually and make sure that you're finishing stronger than when you started right. and you'll feel better about yourself for doing it but it's tough it's tough to it's like a it's like a time trial on on your own and uh we recognize i recognize you know that it's not it's not i'm not asking people to do something easy which is why i got out there last weekend and i did the the 10k even though i haven't been training i was one of those folks who who said oh yeah yeah i haven't really been training but i just decided to do it yeah you know from six miles whatever six miles whatever i was i never thought i'd be one of those people that i was one of those people so it wasn't fun, but I wanted to show that I, I walk the walk and I understand that it's not it's not easy. And so when I was out there, I was thinking, okay, you got through mile one, kind of kept it nice and nice and comfortable. Now let's see if we can make it a little less comfortable. Just just a little less for mile two. And then mile three, just a little less, right? Yeah. And then before you're halfway through and you've got three miles to go and you're like, all right. As long as I just work on these gradual improvements, I'll finish strong. Yeah. So that would be my, my yeah. suggestion. So kind of make it like a progression run, basically. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. 
So now I'm going to get into a couple of questions that I got from like a uh, couple of followers. I think actually, I think you know all these folks. So your boy uh, Shreds Runner Twenty One sent a little note in and asked, "What are some of the ways that athletes inadvertently limit or undo the impact their coach has their training on on their training?" Mm. There are quite a few things you can do. There are quite a few. Um, well, like nutrition is one of them. Yep. So nutrition can be um, a roadblock for you if you're not doing it right. And uh, that could be like a like an invisible roadblock because mm -hmm. you don't really see it and it, and you you can if you, if the nutrition isn't dialed in it might feel like you're not in shape it might feel like you're you're not getting better right. and so the, the nutrition has to be well thought out and you know if you don't have a coach that understands that or you don't have a a resource for improving your nutrition you don't have the right recipes then then I would say you need to seek them out. You need to seek out a nutritionist or seek out uh, a recipe um, source of recipes. Like we use Shalane Flanagan's book on our team. Yeah. So run fast, eat slow. Uh, we, 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 we've used that a lot. And um, because we understand the nutrition has to be there. And when I say nutrition, it's more than just the food. It's also like the, the what you're using for training. So it's your, it's your hydration, right? Yeah. Um, it has nutrition in it. Um, and then um, the other thing that people can do that can really derail their training is um, not getting enough sleep. Oh, yeah. And sleeping is, is, a, is, is, is where a lot of the recovery happens. Mm -hmm. And so when, you, when you're not giving yourself enough time to sleep, again, you're not recovering enough. Um, and again, it's it's another one of those things that you don't see the effects until a week or two later, you know. Right. right. Yeah. I say um, I always say recover just as hard as you train, man. I think I heard that yeah. from you actually. I probably but, heard you. Great advice. Recover just as hard because it is recovery. Mm -hmm. It's easy for Eric to to sort of dismiss sleep because yeah, yeah doing anything, it's like, man. You're just laying there laying there and it seems a little wussy you know seems <laughs> yeah why are you sleeping when other people are doing stuff oh. but but man especially now there's a ton of information like scientific based information that's just talking about this very topic mm -hmm. of sleep once of sleep so just do your research and find out what's really real about that right and um, then uh the other, the other thing would be to um, to um, underestimate the weather. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those things that, that can derail your training. So, uh, and someone just asked in general, any tips for hot weather? Right? Yeah. So, so we're kind of talking about this right now. the The idea, the idea that the summer training isn't going to be when you run your best times, but when you do your best training. Uh, meaning when you when you hit your best times but but it's going to matter because part of what happens in the summer is you you acclimate to the heat and that helps you 
that helps you improve the way your body regulates temperature. And that can, that can be beneficial no matter what the weather is. And so right. part of what I'm doing right now is teaching your body how to cool itself better, mm-hmm. how to activate better, how to, you know, thermoregulate better. So there are benefits to, to, to this type of these seasons, warmer seasons, right. but you, but we have to, we always have to be, understand that we should, we shouldn't underestimate the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should you should you should adjust to it right i think if you can uh train throughout the summer and like you said acclimate to that heat when it when those seasons change and you get to fall you're gonna be like all set. yeah you're ready to rock. right body's um, gonna know how to cool itself yeah yeah any thoughts on um jay runner has a question here any thoughts on hydration when you like don't want to carry water um and then he mentioned, is there a gel that you can recommend that you can take without water? Um, but basically, like, how do you hydrate um, if you can't carry water with you? Yes, Jay Rana, time of feet, time of feet is more important than pace per mile. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, well, the gels, you know, we, we use we use um, we use Martin. We use uh, Huma gels, and um, those are like our go-to's. Yeah. Uh, but we really we like we like Tailwind. That's we good like stuff. using. Yeah. It's kind of um, like a double whammy, right? Because you get a a little right. bit of carbs, but you're also hydrating. Exactly, and it's it's been amazing how well it's worked for, for everyone. So it's not a specific type of athlete that does well with it. It's anyone who, who's on it because it, because it, it has the, it has the energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has, uh, it has the electrolytes and you can take it all day. So it's not like a specific formula that you have to put together, like two parts to one or three parts to one. Yeah. You could mix it in different, different, uh, different, um, um, you can mix it in different parts mm-hmm. or, or different, um, like ratios. You thinking? Different yeah. ratios. Cool. Uh, it'll still work for you. So awesome. So that if you haven't tried Tailwind, I would say try it. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to to not carry something if you don't have a place to put it. So if you're planning your routes, maybe the best thing to do is to plan loops that come back to like where your car is. You can hydrate that way. Yeah. But just kind of stash something somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had folks who will just like drive. Uh, say they're doing a long run, they'll drive the course maybe before they start and just put like a bottle of Tailwind under a bush somewhere, mile eight, and then grab it when they get there. Hope it's still there when they. Yeah, when fingers they come. crossed. You know, fingers crossed. The thing's still there. Uh, well, unless I'm yeah. doing the same route then I'm having a drink of your drink. I'm sorry. I'm thirsty. You're right. And I'm, if it's, it's labeled and it says tailwind, I'm drinking it. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, but it's happening. Um, and then Jay runner has a couple more questions here. And I think this might be like a good place to kind of wrap up since you are a coach. And apparently I have a minute and 55 seconds remaining. So what, how do you create a realistic um, running schedule when people are working 40 hours a week and keep in mind, you have a minute and 43 seconds. Okay. Wow. No pressure. Uh, so 
Um, st start with the days of the, the times of the day that you can run and then figure out how much time. Again, going back to the concept of time, right? So it's not mileage, it's time. If you've got 30 minutes, don't worry about how much time, how much, how many miles you're putting in. And then try to go a little bit longer on the weekends if you have that flexibility. But, um, but I would say f focus on, on running for time and make sure you're getting enough sleep. Um, and you'll find you're, that you're going to be able to put together a plan, a good plan. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Coach. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me like this. This is fun. We should do this again. We should, for sure. Maybe, like, uh, we can actually see each other in person at some point. And um, Are you going to be there on Monday? I'm I coming will. up on All right. Yeah, I'll be up at the shop on Monday. So I'll yeah. see you then. Um, I'll see you. Cool. So thanks. And thanks to everybody who uh, tuned in. If we didn't get to your question, I sincerely apologize. But next time we do something like this, fire yep. them away again and we'll, we'll get to you. Absolutely. And Jay, yes. Answers yes. I do offer coaching opportunities. He does, for sure. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you all. And, uh, Thank you. I will, uh, I'll see you Monday, bud. Okay, I'll see you there. All right. Take care, man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks.